Welcome to the Life as a Coder podcast series, brought to you by your friends at Ozark Coding Alliance, LLC. Discussing your life as a medical coder, offering coding tips and advice for coding students and professionals. Join us every Monday. Hello, and welcome to the Life as a Coder podcast series. My name is Jennifer McNamara, and our program is brought to you from your friends at Ozark Coding Alliance, and our goal is to bring you timely industry topics in the field of health information management, as well as tips for work-life balance. If you're a first-time listener, we thank you for listening today. And if you like what you hear, please hit the subscribe button or follow us wherever you get your podcasts. We are found on Podbean, Apple, and now iHeartRadio. Our disclaimer, as always, is that our podcasts are not to be taken as legal or professional advice. It's based on our over 35 plus years of experience in the coding and billing industry, and we really want to share with you what we've learned and why we love this industry. My partner Angel and I here at the Life as a Coder and Life as a Coding Instructor podcast series are so grateful for all the support, and we know you have a choice as to what podcast you listen to and where you get your uh, coding information, so we thank you for for joining us and, and always supporting us here. Today is Monday, June 7th. And we, of course, wanted to talk about something that we love to talk about, and that's our coding books. I am really big into learning how to use my coding book and, and always discovering new things and new ways to, to use my books. And I, of course, know there's a lot of electronic devices out there that we can do code lookups, right? But it's really important that when we start as a new coder, right, especially new coders, that we learn how to use our books properly. Now, there are always things every year that I like to dig in when I get a new book, a new coding book. I like to dig in and see what new features they've offered this year. And I've seen a lot of changes over the years. So today our topic is getting to know your Hicks Picks manual. We're going to talk about this handy little manual. Um, and it's a really great, great manual that we, of course, many of us use every day. Some of us, depending on our specialty and, and what we have to, to code for every day. It's really important that we understand the history and the proper use of our manual, especially this one. I thought that was fascinating when I dug in and did a little research about the history of the Hicks-Picks manual. The life of the Hicks-Picks manual actually started in the 1980s, and um, we do have the link to the CMS uh, document that discusses the history of that in our show notes. So I encourage you, take a look and get to know the history of the Hicks-Picks manual. Now, I thought it was very interesting, of course, learning about how it's, 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 of course, implemented. And then, of course, CMS and AMA are the ones um, that have that main responsibility. They are the delegated authorities um, under the Health and Human Services and the HIPAA Act of 1996 uh, to regulate and distribute this manual. Now, uh, as we understand, the are two levels as it occurs at this moment in time, right? A lot of changes have happened since the 80s, but as of right now, um, we have level one and level two. So of course, level one is what we know as our CPT code book. Our level one codes are in our CPT code manual. And we'll talk about that manual at a later uh, episode. But for today, we're going to talk about the level two codes, which are the Hicks-Pix level two codes, healthcare common procedural coding system. So this is a really great way to um, give the insurance payers something that they can standardize. And so CMS realizes, of course, um, how important it is to standardize things. Um, So it is another method of coding, of reporting codes to the insurance companies. Now, remember, with anything, we always check our payer guidelines. We always check our payers as to what codes they accept. Uh, But it's always beneficial 
uh, to, of course, get to know your coding book. Um, look at the symbols, right? At the at bottom of your book, just like any other coding book, you're going to see symbols. And those are very important to understand what they are and what they mean because they may affect you in your practice. And I really am a, a big fan of this book because it has so much valuable information. And even though I don't use it every day for coding purposes, there's a lot of valuable reimbursement information in there that all coders should be familiar with. And yes, you may not use it every day, but be familiar with what is in your book so that you can have it available if an, um, that event arises or that need arises uh, that you'll need to use it. Uh, now, there are a lot of different codes in there. Um, some of the ones we're going to highlight, of course, from that CMS document are the C codes. Now, these were established to permit implementation uh, of, of course, these um, codes for the outpatient prospective payment system. So these are reported for device categories, new technology procedures, drugs, biologicals, uh, and radiopharmaceuticals. So if you work for a facility or you have to report on a facility claim uh, for the outpatient prospective payment system, um, you're going to be most likely using those C codes, right? And then the G codes, which of course we most likely are very familiar with. Uh, most of us who are in the professional fee coding industry, coding for physicians and professional side of coding are very familiar with our G codes because these include services that, of course, otherwise would have been reported with CPT4 codes and our, C our level one codes, right? Uh, but because there isn't maybe a more specific code and we don't want to use unlisted if we don't, if we don't have to, right? We want to avoid that. We can actually come to our HixPix level two code manual and we can investigate and see if there's a code that will be applicable to our procedure to help us avoid using a uh, unlisted code. Um, there are a lot of codes that CMS has specifically uh, entered into this code manual that are for use with Medicare claims, but other payers use them as well. Maybe you're not familiar. Payers like Blue Cross Blue Shield, some of your replacement plans for Medicare. Um, other commercial payers are also requiring the use of G-codes uh, to report claims um, for services that are found in that book. Um, so they, of course, can be used for Medicare and non-Medicare payers. Now, the Q codes, these are specifically to identify drugs, biologicals, and other types of equipment that are not identified by um, national HCPCS level 2 codes, but there are codes that are needed for Medicare claims processing. So uh, you may see some of these for supplies, um, specifically with casting and things like that for orthopedic physicians. Now, we also, um, of course, want to talk about some of our modifiers. Now, I know personally, um, I'm a big modifier girl. Uh, as you remember from HealthCon this year, I talked about modifiers and historically not my favorite thing to talk about. But uh, as I became a more proficient and seasoned coder, I began to fall in love with modifiers because they really tell the story a little bit better than, um, than just your basic CPT code because they alter the information. There's so much information that can be altered and that can um, be portrayed by the use of modifiers. And of course, there are a lot of valuable modifiers that are in our HixPix Level 2 codebook that we may not realize exist. When I talk to some of my students and, and the other newer coders, um, it's amazing how, you know, sometimes when they're studying, they, they forget, right? Um, they forget that we have this other book because they're so involved in using CPT and ICD-10 because that is the bulk of our learning experience. When we learn um, coding, we do kind of stick mostly to uh, the CPT and the ICD-10 CM codebook for professional fee coding. 
And so we understand that sometimes this other book might just get left behind and only used in certain instances. But when we can't find a modifier, what do we do? Well, don't forget to check out your Hickspix Level 2 codebook because there are a lot of modifiers that we need to use on a regular basis that are found in the uh, Hickspix Level 2 codebook. So I encourage you uh, to get really familiar with your book if you can uh, and, and do so. Now, the AAPC has put out a great resource I will also uh, provide in the show notes that really just summarizes and breaks down this manual like nothing else. It has the timeline of when it started being used um, as far as CPT and then goes into Hickspicks when we started to use that in the 80s and up to, to na- up to now, how HIPAA regulations have really highlighted standardizing uh, the use of these codes. And so I really think it's really great. Of course, as far as structure goes, we know it's five numeric characters um, for he- level one. And then for level two codes, we have five characters, right? But they can be, uh, of course, they're alphanumeric. So we have the alpha followed by the, the numeric. Now, we know that AMA maintains the level one codes and CMS, they are the ones that are responsible for maintaining level two codes. Um, There are yearly updates to this um, code set. So we always want to check for those updates for CMS. Um, And just a a little tip to many of you that are in the field, if you don't realize um, where you can go to do that, you can go to CMS's website. Um, And you can sign up for the MLN articles and updates. Anytime there's a change to anything um, or there's an update, um, you want to get access to those MLN articles, those newsletters, because any changes are going to come to your email and then you'll know about them um, and you'll be up to speed. Now, um, most things I like to talk about with coding for specifically uh, are some of the main code sets that we use frequently. So for me personally, in my field, orthopedics, of course, I do use G codes a lot. I use the J codes, right? A lot of us use those J codes. Those are those injections, those medication codes that we use most often. So typically on a claim, right, we have to use a CPT code or a level one code to report the actual procedure of administering a medication whether it's intramuscularly, through the joint, however we're going to inject it. But then we also have to get reimbursed for the medicine or the drug that we're, um, of course, entering into the patient, injecting into them. So we report that with that drug code, right? That injection, the medicine. And of course, there's measurements attached to it. So it's so crucial that we read the description of those J codes. Uh, I can't tell you how many times we have denied claims because the units are off because the description wasn't read carefully. So if a code is used that has the description of 10 milligrams, that means if you're reporting 20 milligrams for that particular code, you report that code with two units. If it's one milligram and you're going to be doing 10 milligrams, you of course know the math, right? We're going to do our units. So always watch that and always pay attention to whether it's milligram based um, and and how um, the measurement is described. There's a lot of differences, just like we do in CPT. It's so important that we read our description. If we don't read the full description, we could miss out on using the correct code. And of course, we would, of course, have a denial. 
Have you heard? Now the CCS exam is available without restrictions. Now is a great time to jumpstart your coding career with one of the most popular certifications in the country. The majority of employers require a CCS credential, and at Ozark Coding Alliance, we're here to help you achieve this goal. Join our workshop this July for only $129 and earn five CEUs. You can register at ccscoder.com. Now, I love, I love, love um, all of the... um, appendixes that we have in our books. And Hicks Picks Level 2 is no different. I'm a big fan of appendices, so I do like to point out the valuable information that's found in the appendix. Um, Now, for those of you that are billers, uh, you probably are familiar with the NCCI manual that CMS puts out every year, updates every year. And if you're not already um, looking at that as a biller or coder, you should be. Um, so this is the um, National Correct Coding Initiative, um, and this is, of course, updated by uh, CMS, and they, of course, have this in place to let us know what is the standard for medical care as far as billing and coding, because we may see something in CPT, and it may be very clear to us, you don't bill this with this, right? We have a parenthetical note. CMS identifies that as well. They read those the same manual. They look at the coding guidelines that are put out by uh, the AMA. And they, of course, may have something that they want to add to it or something that they're going to clarify for the, for their purposes. And so we have to read our NCCI manual. We have to read those and, and look at those updates every year. Now, usually they will update that and they will, of course, add um, in certain bold or red letters the revisions for that year. Um, and so you'll want to look at that, that color coding to see if there's any revisions. But um, there's things in there that are so valuable um, as far as like the, the global package, surgery, surgery package. Because remember that uh, AMA and CP2 do not always agree on the global package and how to interpret that. And of course, evaluation and management services. Um, we know that AMA has recently, of course, updated this year the AMA, the guidelines for the new 2021 E&M guidelines. And CMS, of course, is following suit. Um, but again, when we look at the 95, 97 guidelines, um, CMS has specifically put that out um, to instruct us on how to um, interpret um, for those guidelines. So we're going to keep watching um, and waiting to see how this unfolds with how the future goes with 2021 how CMS continues to interpret um, the new 2021 guidelines. So we want to be watchful of that. There are a lot of things as a biller that we need to use our HixPix Level 2 Codebook for. So it's a nice handy way to have all of these references in our book right with us. Research tools on the internet, on CMS's website, other payer websites are very valuable. But there's a lot of great information that's found right in your HixPix Level 2 Codebook. And so, for instance, I'm using the AMA version in their appendix there. And they have several, of course, sections. But one of them here that I love is the modifiers and modifier indicators. uh, Because this shows a lot of the main modifiers that we use on a regular basis. And some of the indicators that we might see um, on a claim. And um, or in a file when we're looking at the reimbursement. So if we don't understand what those indicators mean, it can be very uh, disheartening to see a denial and not understand why. So we always want to understand um, the, the meanings of everything that we see on a claim and everything that we see in our code books. We want to understand what they mean. Now, I'm not going to go into too much detail on, on the appendix because it's I'm going to let you guys do your research and, and really dig in and read that. But the better you understand your code books, the more you're going to be um, 
a very effective coder. And of course, um, when you're taking your test uh, for the AAPC, uh, CPC exam specifically, one of the courses that we teach at Ozark, uh, we do always encourage you to stop, take a minute, take a beat and sit, get your highlighter out, pretend it is a novel that you want to read and you want to get to the bottom of this mystery because it can be daunting to take that CPC exam and feel lost because you don't know where things are and you forget where things are. So the more familiarized you are with your coding books, the better off you're going to be. Now, I, I do recommend getting to know um, the different sections. Now, there is, of course, a table of drugs in there, which is very helpful. So if you don't know uh, the, the drug name, um, you can, of course, do some research to find out what the actual drug name is versus the, you know, generic name versus the actual brand name to get that information. But there's a great drug table in there. And it's a nice little uh, starting point when you're looking for a drug code, because what you can do you see the dosage, you see the method of administration because they have separate codes for, for instance, if it's intravenous or if it's intramuscular. And so you want to make sure you use that table to kind of help you narrow down your code selection, kind of like your index, right? It's, it's your starting point until you get to that tabular, right? And the tabular helps you finish out your code. So when you go to those J codes, you're going to see that further information as to how to interpret that. Now, there's a lot of information uh, as far as that can be, like I mentioned earlier, there can be a lot of information found just in those symbols, the bottom of your book. So it's very important that you understand those symbols and what they mean. Um, for instance, one of my favorite symbols is the little B with the, um, the circle around it. Um, that is Bill Part B uh, Mac Carrier. So that means that that procedure is going to be billed to Part B Medicare. According And then, of course, you're always going to want to go to your Medicare uh, Mac Carrier's website um, for the Part B services, and you're going to want to verify um, their particular guidelines or any information that they have on that particular code. Always reference your local Mac Carrier, your Medicare um, regional contractor. I'm in Arkansas, so mine, of course, is Novitas. Uh, and so there's a lot of things that... Uh, are helpful. So there are codes in here that have little symbols like for female or male only. And those are very important indicators that we need to be aware of. Um, so we need to understand these indicators. Now, if you flip over to uh, your uh, J codes, if you're in the book with me, um, some of the things you're going to see in relation to the injections, you're going to see a lot of other information. Um, you're going to see this little symbol called um, IOM or abbreviation. That's the um, internet-only manual. So this is also on CMS's website. They have a lot of information in that manual, and it gives you the direct reference and page number and everything that you're going to find information on that drug specifically. So if there's a notation, a guideline, something to help you find your way about this particular code, and you want to know more about it, which we should all want to do research, right, and learn more about our codes, you're going to go to that, um, that internet-only manual, and you're going to research um, that particular reference to learn more about that. And again, there's other terms like um, the coding clinic references. So if you have access to coding clinic, it's right there. The AHA coding clinic, American Hospital Association coding clinic, tells you the year, the quarter, all of that information that you can uh, can be helpful. It also gives you other names underneath those uh, procedures to let you know, of course, other names that it can be identified with. 
just like any other book, it's going to have notations, uh, like our parenthetical notes in our CPT level one code book. We're going to be able to see notes uh, underneath the codes here that are going to be very helpful for us um, in learning how to use these codes. And again, there are other codes in here that are very payer specific. And I will point out to you, there is a code set that is not reported for Medicare. A very clear note on our S codes. Remember our S codes? If you took a coding course, maybe this was brought out to you very clearly and very plainly that Medicare and other federal payers do not recognize S codes. However, they may be useful for claims to some private payers. There are some S codes that a lot of us surgical coders have to use at times. And so we want to be able to uh, find them here in our code book and be able to use it and reference it. And there's a lot of information out there, a lot of information on S codes, um, articles, blogs, different things, but always come back to your book. Always come back to your book and look at the code directly and scan the page, kind of research what's in that general area. A lot of the codes are very similar, right? And so you can see some of that. Uh, there are some S codes for screenings and examinations, for vision supplies. Uh, if you're an OBGYN coder, you may find it fascinating to look at some of these gynecological examinations that are found, uh, codes that are found in the S codes. If you're an ophthalmology coder, there are some codes in there that can be useful if your payer accepts those. So always check with your payer if you need to look at, you see a code and it really describes what you're doing, or maybe it's it's more descriptive or more beneficial to use than another code but you wanna make sure your payer accepts it. So always check into that. And even if it's just informational only, it's a good idea to report it on the claim, even if it's just informational. It's not gonna get paid, doesn't have a fee attached to it, but informational codes are very important to tell the full picture, to tell the story of what's happening to the patient or what you performed, right? A lot of things um, in this book that can be so helpful. Now, um, of course, we're not going to go into too much detail on the entire book because there's so much to know. But my main my main focus here today is just really get to know it. Um, look through it. Take the time. Give yourself an hour of time. And one hour uh, can give you a lot of information um, that you can find in this book. Just going page by page and just making notes. Get your highlighter out. Get your pen, pencil. And make notes as um, circling codes that you think will be beneficial for your practice or um, a specialty that you work in, or maybe it's something you want to learn more about. It's a specialty that you are fascinated with and you want to dig in and research this particular code. And, and maybe if your if your payers in your state or your region will cover it. I'm always on the lookout for my providers. Uh, we do re, um, have a billing company and we do um, that for a plastic surgeon. And we're, of course, constantly trying to investigate and evaluate, are there codes out there that we're missing because the patient technically is a, it's a cosmetic procedure, but things are changing constantly. So it's always um, a good idea to get out there and look at payer policies, look at additional codes in those coverage policies for a procedure that could be covered that we may not be aware of. So all of these things are helpful. Get to know them. It's very, very important. So we hope that this was beneficial for you getting to talk a little bit about this amazing manual, our Hicks Picks, our healthcare common procedural coding system, uh, to say it in the long version. So we thank you for joining us today. And we also want to thank Ozark Coding Alliance uh, for being here for us all the time and helping us to grow in our podcast series here as Life as a Coder. We'd also like to thank Gabriel Fast with Highland Productions for being a great producer for us here at Life as a Coder podcast series. Until next time. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Life as a Coder podcast series brought to you by your friends at Ozark Coding Alliance, LLC. 
If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate that effort. It helps us share the show with other coders, students, and professionals just like you. Come back every Monday for a new episode. We'll catch you then. Project Resume can make your medical coding dreams come true. From resumes to interview skills to navigating a successful career, Project Resume has the advice you need from coders you can trust. See all that we have to offer at projectresume.net. Be sure to reference this podcast when you place your order.